like them fast. Welcome to another episode of Scarlet Jimmy's episode 8 and 0. I am joined by Blake Murphy from Revenge of the Birds. Blake, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. We're recording this here on a Saturday. There's plenty of college football to be around talking about a Thursday night game, which for uh, the Arizona Cardinals was uh, probably a combination of a disappointment and a, you know, a step forward for the most part. But it's always good to have divisional games and rivalries. Um, uh, it's good for a lot of fans to then take time to break this down since uh, there's no game going to be on Sunday for either of these teams now, which you'll be a time to re- rest and recoup. And uh, I'm doing the same as well, taking a, taking the time to rest and recoup on a Saturday, Kyle. Yeah, man. So 49ers, 28-25 win over the Cardinals. It was an exciting game. A lot of people thought this would be a blowout. I thought that this would be a blowout, but Cardinals came out, smacked the 49ers in the mouth. 49ers responded. Saw the defense, as Richard Sherman put. They were, they were humbled on Thursday night. The first game all season, you could probably argue for the 49ers that their defense bailed them out. So we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. We're going to talk about you know, plays that change the game, the player of the game. We're going to talk about four of the stats that won the 49ers the game, two positional battles, and we'll also get into a couple of coaching decisions that we agree and disagree with. So let's start off with the one play that changed the game. Blake, you start us off. What do you have? Yeah, for me, a lot of people are going to target that touchdown at the end of the half. There's been some interesting decisions by Cliff Kingsbury, but for me, I think the play that changed the game was there was a third and seven uh, or third and further, and there was a wide-open touchdown to Dante Pettis that essentially took a lot of the momentum that the Cardinals had built up in the second half, uh, put them down, uh, I believe it was at that point, 28 was the total score. They had to then get essentially two touchdowns to get back into the game. Um, or be able to kind of come up with two field goals and a touchdown with limited possessions that the team had left. It just put a whole lot of pressure on the team to be able to score. Uh, if you can get the Niners off the field, essentially, for that, it comes down to the end. You have a chance to tie the game versus be behind with a two-point conversion. Instead, they're down by three going into that, and that, to me, was the big game changer. Uh, Patrick Peterson got a little bit of a mix-up with Byron Murphy in coverage, but he just did not get there fast enough. It looked like there was, like, you know, you don't want to question effort of the players, at least for the most part, but it looked like he was just still running slow, like wasn't even making an effort to try to force the ball out in the end. Um, that was probably the most disappointing thing, at least. We'll get into some of the stats that Peterson had in this game, but really he just didn't have a very good game overall, and when you've got the lack of talent Arizona's defense has outside of him and Chandler Jones, you got to bring your A game pretty much every single week if you're going to make uh, – you're going to be able to have a chance in this league so that possession the cardinals had just scored to make it 21 14 out of the half they raced down the field scored under three minutes seven plays 83 drives and and to me you always see this good teams either score and get a stop or they answer a score with a score then the 49ers did that they answered that was the drive where Jimmy G hit Emmanuel Sanders on just like a dart where he Jimmy G threw the ball. It looked like pretty much five yards from where I was sitting before Sanders even turned his head. He just got rid of the ball so quick. And that converted. Oh, yeah, the third timing down. on then, that play like was amazing. Oh my gosh. The timing was so great. Yeah. Like I, I have, it'd be tough to find a play where a quarterback released the ball so early and got it on time. So that was the first down 22 yards. And like you mentioned, Third and seven, Dante Pettis. And Kendrick Bourne, the receiver, told me after the game that they had never hit on a corner route like all season. So 
That was pretty interesting to go wow. in that direction on third and seven. Dante Pettis, 21-yard touchdown pass, 28-14, and that was with just under six minutes left in the third quarter. And, yeah, from there, you're just fighting the clock at that point and just praying that you can get a stop. Didn't happen, and sure enough, the Cardinals came up short. My play is going to be the one before the half because 49ers were driving. They they took over about five minutes left before the half. They just marched. I mean, they always do this. They're, they're one of the best four-minute offenses in the NFL, in my opinion, anyways. They got it down right before the half. It's fourth and goal from the one. First play, we there's for whatever reason, you know, in the press box, people were saying it was they iced the defense, but – what can you talk talk to us about? You know what? Why the Cardinals chose to call a timeout? Do what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's uh, there's probably two possibilities that you have there. One would be that we've seen questionable decisions in the games from Vance Joseph, who's the Cardinals defensive coordinator back when he was the Broncos head coach, where things weren't managed. But it also might be an aspect of some of the learning curve for Cliff Kingsbury as well coming in, where. Some of the idea they said was take a snapshot of what the kind of maybe the Niners' best play was going to be, um, be able to get it off the field. Some of people had wondered if the some of the reason it was stuff was because some of the players may have heard that someone had called a timeout, and so maybe that was part of the case. Maybe the Niners, if that's not the case, they end up scoring anyway. Uh, looked like Hassan Reddick had the play blown up that they were running with the ball. But in either case, it didn't end up working out. I would disagree. Either you look at it as – a dumb decision and hopefully a lesson you can learn from for the young head coach because um, for the most part in the NFL, it's not that teams are going to have their best play and then their second best is going to be ineffective. Essentially, what he gave was Shanahan two shots into the end zone. Second time, he put Emmanuel Sanders in the backfield. He's matched up on a linebacker in Hassan Reddick. They're able to run the basically a similar type of look at first that then changes. It's a touchdown that goes into the half. Cardinals are now down. Um, uh, with uh, was it down by 14 now instead of being down seven. So it's a, a case where in either sense of however you want to look at it for the most part, just was not one of those things that was going to work. Um, you go into the half essentially with the Niners getting the ball um, for, to start the second half. I, I think what they should have at least done was just play your defense as it's going to be, be able to know what your prep and trust your prep and what your work has been done. Perhaps the three-day to prepare gave Kingsbury a little bit of doubt in that section, but hopefully you'll learn from that one and let the defense be able to do their work versus trying to give a mastermind like Kyle Shanahan essentially two looks at the same D. Yeah, Shanahan chose to run the ball up the middle, which was pretty surprising, and they got stuffed. But didn't count. Then the next play on the goal line touchdown, he lines up Sanders as a fullback, which is pretty surprising to great. me. Uh, I, I love it. I loved as, it. As soon as you see that as a defense, if you see somebody wearing number 17 in the backfield, it's probably not going to be a run. And I asked Shanahan about this after the game. So I said, on the goal line touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, you had him lined up as a fullback. How do you make sure you just, the, the defense doesn't key on him knowing that there's a receiver in the backfield? And his answer was, well, we try to break the huddle fast assuming that as Arizona is in man coverage, and this is just tendencies knowing that near the goal line, they're probably going to be in man coverage. Mm-hmm. So he said they're, they're in man coverage team. So they, they find all their guys, you put them in confusing spots. So they're a little late with their eyes to where they pick up the snap and go. He said, sometimes you do that. He said, sometimes you do that and they're a little slower to know where he is. And that's why he scored. Sometimes it's very obvious when a receiver is in the backfield. So everyone chases that guy and it opens up for other people. He said a little different 
he said a little different stuff to do. Maybe Emmanuel is so good as a fullback in the passing game that we come up with some runs later on from the <laughs> season. But he, he was laughing when he said that. But that, that was interesting just as far as getting out of the huddle, going quick. And then, you know, if, if Sanders is covered up and everybody jumps him, there's another guy open. But Jimmy did a good job of just getting the ball out quick, getting it, hitting him in the, the right spot. Uh, Revenge of the Birds managing editor Seth Cox was furious with Hassan Reddick on this play. He said if he had any football IQ that he would have been able to sniff that out. Yeah, Sanders essentially just ran right by him. But yep. he, just, it was just like, answering the call. Yeah, uh, uh, it was, it was, we've had a lot of issues. Reddick essentially has now been officially seemingly benched behind two players now. So that just shows some of the talent discrepancy that Arizona has had with their a growing and learning team. And they've got players they've been relying on. And there's just – not a lot of the football smarts that you can see on the field. So you can put some credit in for uh, the, 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 the two goals that I think I had for the Cardinals was you want your defense to try to hold the Niners offense to under 30 points, and you want to try to make sure that you're converting in the red zone so that you can at least put up more than 17 points. So good news is they were able to accomplish both of those goals. The problem, of course, is that they just were not able to perform or stop the Niners offense when they needed it the most to be able to have a chance to win the game. And some of that is because of the lack of talent that they – do have on the field and maybe even some of the way it's being used, which we'll get into. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's go to just four stats that won the game. So yards per play, Arizona actually outgained the 49ers. The Cardinals had 7.1 yards per play compared to 49ers averaging six yards per play. And obviously that's inflated because Andy Isabella took off for what, 89 yards or whatever, but you can't get away from them because that does matter. Aside from that third downs, 49ers were 11 of 17 on third down, which is just an incredible clip, just being able to convert at that rate. Arizona, on the other hand, not so great. Two for eight, so only converting 25%. But the 40, that that's actually 25% to tell you how good the defense has been this season. I believe they're, they are holding opponents to around 20%. So Arizona actually did better than most of all of the 49ers opponents yeah. this season. I, I, I believe it was someone who said that the Niners are giving up somewhat like 11 points per game or so. Arizona was able to put up 25, and that's all on the offense. It wasn't that they had turnovers or anything that was taken off of that. So that was at least a good step forward by Cliff Kingsbury. But a lot of it, like you said, was late in on a big play that you had for the most part versus being able to be consistent on offense. Yeah, and they had, they were able to run the ball as well. And they were able to just put the 49ers in some bad positions just from like a screen pass is that – Screen passes, man. I imagine that we will see a lot of that moving forward against the 49ers defense. They're just quick passes to the edge like that. Um, other than that, red zone, pretty even. 49ers scored both of their possessions, and they've been on a roll. They came into the game 27th in the league in red zone percentage as far as scoring touchdowns. So two for two, and I believe they have scored on six of their last seven red zone possessions. But Defense did not do their job in the red zone. They gave up two out of three. Sloppy game penalties-wise, both teams had uh, – or sorry, the 49ers had eight penalties. Cardinals had nine penalties. And what uh, what are your – you tell me your stats. Yeah, for me, the biggest stat overall, I think, was like you mentioned on third down. The biggest difference, at least for me, is that that 11 of 17 is great, but – it was 7 of 10 on third down in the second half. So that means that the Niners just essentially were able to move the ball almost at will, completing downs down the stretch, and the defense was not able to stop them, which is ultimately what cost the Cardinals the game. Uh, my second stat I had was I had 130 passer rating for, uh, I think it was 130.1 for Jimmy Garoppolo is what I had written down. 
the Cardinals have really just struggled where opposing quarterbacks have taken a lot of advantage of their defense. The Cardinals can't really seem to get a consistent pass rush, even though they have had Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs. They, a lot of it potentially is whether it's scheme-based or not. There's a lot of soft zone being played behind as well. So quarterbacks, that allows them to get the ball off quick, carve it up, and when the Cardinals do play a lot of man, some of it is also a talent issue of, hey, if you're going to play man and blitz guys, you get beat right off of the line. So it's it's kind of a case where all of what Arizona is trying to accomplish is not really syncing up or working right now. It's a lot of guys like Drew Brees, Garoppolo, even Kyle Allen essentially was able to put up um, a huge number of points against the Cardinals. I think it was 30. They had four touchdowns against them as well. This is just a bad defense overall. People in Arizona have been ripping it, and I think a lot of it ultimately is the philosophy that you have of you can be a bend but don't break defense. The problem is that if you're a – um, bend and break defense, which is what Arizona can be, even if you have a, a good effort to be able to sell out to stop the run. Uh, I think you're seeing a lot of these opposing quarterbacks just carve them up at least. Garoppolo did a great job, credit to him, obviously, for being able to move around in the pocket, being able to make some great decisions, and then, like you said, getting the ball out quick before a lot of the guys had a chance to be able to get there. Um, There's only one sack, that was my third stat, that Chandler Jones had. They were just not able to be able to conduct pressure. It's been an issue for the team where – Outside of Jones, they don't have guys who seem to be capable of um, getting sacks, especially even when playing backup tackles like the Niners had. And the final stat I had was Patrick Peterson, uh, another rough game for him. He gave up 118 yards plus one touchdown. Um, Emmanuel Sander, like a lot of people said post-game at least, um, I I think it was some other people who said this, uh, Seth Cox even uh, – sent this to me in a DM was like, yeah, like Cliff Kingsbury, they were covering for Peterson saying he's not in shape with that. He's not there with the defense yet. Uh, the truth is that the, that coverage was better than his coverage of Emmanuel Sanders, if we're going to be honest for that. Sanders just kind of took him, even though he was only been with the team for about a week or so, was very, very efficient in being able to get yards after the catch and beating him off of the line. So those are my four stats for the most part, at least. Um, I did want to mention my player of the game as well, because that kind of does count. And for the Cardinals side, Kenyon Drake, after being with the team for about three days or so, Cliff Kingsbury got him up to speed enough where he was able to go rush for over 100 yards, uh, 110 yards rushing, and 52 yards receiving, a total of 163 yards. He averaged 13 uh, yards per reception in the passing game. I do think that's the key to be able to beat the Niners is if you've got a, you know, spread the team out up front, get their aggressive defensive line to come upfield, then be able to run through some of those gaps behind them and get the passer game involved. That seems like from what we've seen between that and the Panthers even the week before, that seems like the closest thing you can get on offense to be able to beat this defense for um, at least being able to run the ball efficiently because most teams have not been able to do that so far. So credit to the Cardinals for being able to get that and credit Drake essentially for kind of being the a hero to step up when the Cardinals needed him to to be able to keep Kyler Murray upright in the pocket. Yeah, Drake was really good. They He definitely looked – I don't know if it was just a speed thing and the 49ers weren't able to adjust to it, but he just took advantage of the creases and he was able to outrun the 49ers defense time after time. Going back to your stat on the third downs, yeah, just and that's going to be my player at the game, by the way, is Jimmy Garoppolo. But the, his work on third down was very, very impressive. We talked about the third and four to Emmanuel Sanders, the third and seven to Dante Pettis. Late in the game, we're talking about converting third downs in the second half. Third 11, he hits Emmanuel Sanders for 16 yards, uh, and then he hits, I believe it was Ross Dwelly to end the game, third and nine. So he's coming up with some plays that where he guys are screaming down his throat 
the the one to Sanders where he's just hanging in there, guys running full speed at him. Doesn't explain. Played. I have a game. If this is the best game he played in life, he said no. I feel like he's lying to me. I can't imagine a game where he just put the ball in that place, like just from a ball placement, just from a timing, just from a being in control standpoint for a quarterback. He was very, very good. The Cardinals blitzed Jimmy G 16 times. He was 11 for 16, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, he's just in control. Six of those 11 completions went for first downs. And if if he plays like the way he did, just letting loose, just he, he seemed more confident than he's ever been. And he, four touchdowns is great, but I just feel like the the way he was letting it fly, he just seemed like he was rolling. And he, and I don't think I've seen him throw with that type of confidence. So that was yep. that was really impressive to me. It was great to see also because the Cardinals it seemed like they sold out to be able to stop the run in a lot of cases for the Niners. That seemed to be their first priority, which meant that. It took Jimmy to be able to have to make those conversions on third and long and to be able to step up. Um, so he did a great job, I think, at least of stepping up. Now, granted, I think the Cardinals, by playing some of that soft zone, it's like they've had struggles throughout the year. But, again, you can only really make those plays against the teams and the defenses that you're supposed to. And on three days' worth of preparation, essentially, um, for him to go out. Um, he's now basically in both times he's played in Arizona between the time with the Patriots, despite not having – Rob Gronkowski present and playing now out here in the desert. Um, he's done a great job, at least against the Cardinals, and that's something at least you can uh, you know credit him. Fitzgerald, for his record, has always had great games against the Niners. He was only targeted four times, didn't seem to have a chance to really um, get too involved in the game as it went overall. So, again, those are two of the biggest matchups, I think, coming into the game, and uh, overall the Niners were the ones who came away with the edge there. They did. And you mentioned Patrick Peterson. So let's talk about the positional battles because that made a difference in the game. And the obvious one is the 49ers receivers against the Cardinals cornerbacks. And all season, we've been talking about the 49ers receivers. They've been inconsistent. And that's probably just being kind. There's been too many too many instances where they just haven't been able to separate. They, it seems like there's a lot of times where the receivers are losing their footing. Jimmy's having to hold the ball you have to buy time with his legs that was not the case at all against Arizona so Patrick Peterson this is PFF's numbers Patrick Peterson against Emmanuel Sanders five targets gave up four catches all for four first downs 90 yards against Dante Pettis he got charged for that touchdown even though there was a coverage um, a coverage dispute or whatever he, he could catch up and have a chance to bust. break up that pass so he just he it was an effort thing it looked like for a lot of that stuff after the original so it's yeah yeah hey man um, Debo Samuel, one catch on Pat, on Pat Pete for seven yards. Kinderborn beat Byron Murphy in the in the end zone for a slant that was tipped, but he was able to hold on for a touchdown. Against Debo Samuel, Byron Murphy actually won that matchup. He was targeted four times, only gave up one catch, uh, 12 yards for a first down. Uh, Debo did have two drops, though, and that is important to remember because Jimmy probably should have thrown for another touchdown even though he got one back. But still, there there were receivers running open often, and it just seemed like this was the be- probably the best game the 49ers have played all season as far as offensively goes, just as far as being on the same page, getting open. How did you expect this coming in? Like, do, Did you expect the 49ers receivers to have this type of success? Yeah, we did in a lot because I think that you can talk about the Niners receivers and the Cardinals DBs and – 
what it's kind of turned into is almost like in that sense, it's a Vance Joseph versus Kyle Shanahan type area. The biggest difference, I think, in this game especially was just by having a consistent guy who could get yards after catch and win on a slant route in Emmanuel Sanders. That seemed to make a huge difference overall for the Niners just because if the Cardinals had only had to contend by double teaming a guy like George Kittle who ended up you know, getting hurt, was able to keep playing throughout the game for the most part, um, then essentially you're able to bring more guys in and blitz by being able to kind of spread out the Cardinals defense in a way with some of those receivers and having a go-to guy in Sanders. Uh, I think that was part of the reason why it was their best uh, their best effort on offense overall. The, the Cardinals defense, as we know, is not one that's prone to be able to make turnovers. There's a lot of kind of either soft zone being played or a lot of times are they are going to end up playing back for the most part. So what I think I can appreciate about what the Cardinals did on their aspect is that they at least were able to um, be able to put enough uh, stuff up against the run game where you're able to then kind of force the Niners into some of those pass situations. Of course, once they did that, this is, again, a, a bad defense. They weren't really able to limit or stop them enough. And overall, cohesively as a unit, I feel like that was the biggest mismatch in the game overall as the Cardinals wide receivers. Uh, they weren't able to really win as much of their battles. Uh, didn't matter as much since Cliff was able to design up enough plays for Murray and be able to especially get a lot of the plays to Kenyon Drake over in the run game to run on the Niners, um, where he was able to take advantage then at least of um, – uh, just some of it, whether it was by scheme design or just from the burst that Drake showed. Um, what was your second that you had as far as for the positional battle to make a difference? Because I think we were on the same page on this one here as well. Yeah, mine was Kendrick Drake against the 49ers second level. Essentially, Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and Jaquissi Tard, who is the 49ers box safety, we'll call him. But he also plays deep. Yeah, Drake was awesome. Drake looked like a guy that ha- that didn't play on Sunday, basically. Yeah, I think he hadn't played it since October 20th, and I, I think he played uh, fewer than 10 snaps that game. So he had fresh legs, and you can tell, man. He caught all four of his targets against the 49ers linebackers for 52 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, what He had um, – let me see. He had two first downs, I believe it was. Yeah, he just looked spry. He looked fresh. And he was – the Cardinals – I didn't expect the Cardinals to have that type of success on the ground, honestly, because the 49ers are – They've been sound, and it wasn't that the defensive line was getting blown off the ball. It was just that, for whatever reason, the, just some of the the run schemes that Cliff had, like the crack toss, the touchdown, the first touchdown, yeah. um, they, re- they ran a crack toss. So on crack toss, they're running a sweep to the right, and somebody's coming down to block both Warner and Tart. Tart gets buried on the play, and I haven't rewatched it, but I, I remember it where he just gets – buried like five seven yards down the field by one i think it was a tight end and then warner is like five or seven yards as well off the ball just this was one of the first games all season that i've seen where the 49ers second level has not been good um the the cardinals were they had 15 carries for 110 yards so 7.3 yards a pop that doesn't happen against this defense they've been pretty stingy and i mean they've been good but they haven't been like as good as against the past so it was just interesting yeah. to see some of the different, some of the different just run run schemes that they had. What did, what did you see from Arizona's run game? Yeah, you almost kind of wish that they would have run Murray a little bit more with how aggressive the Niners were, but they didn't need to. Uh, what I saw at least a lot was as far as a scheme fit as well from what the team has been working with with Chandler, uh, excuse me, with David Johnson, I should say, and Chase Edmonds has been 
the type of runner David is is just a lot slower. Like looks like he's running through molasses. His skill set and as far as being a receiver has been where he's strongest, where he's not making the same jump cuts he used to. Whereas Chase Edmonds has been a fantastic kind of one cut and run person. By bringing in Drake, someone who actually has been a little bit more shifty, can get skinny and burst through. It's allowed Cliff, I think, in this aspect to you know, design a little bit of misdirection plays. You look at the first play of the game, there's a jet sweep to the right. It pulls a linebacker up with them. They run the ball back to the left. Someone has to respect Kyler Murray as a running threat on the read option. You just get up to the second level, and it's a big 36-yard gain on the first play. So I think the fact that the Cardinals are coming in and bringing in this kind of um, this offense out of the collegiate ranks where they're running against light boxes majority of the time means that they've had maybe not a game where they're rushing for, you know, uh, they're not rushing for 200 yards every game, but they've had one of the most efficient run games. And it didn't shock me that against the Niners, which was uh, a team because they've been able to run the ball pretty much against everyone. The issue has been in being able to get the passing game in sync. And then also with the penalties, they had a key a holding penalty on DJ Humphreys. Um, even though Nick Bosa didn't go off, like some of us had wondered if he would, he had one tackle, I believe as the stat, he still was able to draw some of the attention and some pressures and, Humphreys probably played his best game as a Cardinal, I think, um, as far as being able to limit. But there were still some of those, like we said, penalties we talked about earlier on the show that held up a little bit with the offense. And if you get off script with a rookie quarterback, it can be really difficult, I think, for at this stage for them to catch up. So credit the Niners and credit Jimmy G for getting off schedule in some of those plays and being in third and long and being able to still um, deliver. And so uh, my other that I had as far as kind of an honorable mention for the mismatch, you had a duel in the first half between George Kittle and Buda Baker. Uh, I thought Baker at least did a good job up front, but at some point the five nine guy is going to get buried. Kittle ends up hitting him early <laughs> for the touchdown run. Um, he slips off the line, takes advantage of it, and then gets kind of uh, stiff-armed out of the way. Um, but at the end of the game, the other mismatch that you got to see, at least it's on third and 11, you got to get a stop if you're the Cardinals. They rush three and drop eight, which was kind of one of those d- decisions that's kind of mind-boggling. The Niners sneak a tight end out to the side. Jimmy just takes off forward, and so then all of the guys are so far back behind the line that no one's able to be close to make a tackle. No one seemed to expect him to run for it. Uh, when a guy comes down for it, he just dumps it off at least to the tight end, picks that up. It's a first down game is over at that point they just did not have um, the intelligence on their side to be able to spot the wide open tight end as he was coming out overall so that was essentially the biggest thing I felt like was the Niners tight ends were able to still mismatch up against the Cardinals I believe there's two touchdowns by tight ends in the game unless I'm mistaken or at least the one touchdown and I know obviously the game clincher that we got to see at least um uh, for over that so yeah it's, it's one of those games where it was fun it's entertaining to have a Thursday night football game that's not like you know a, a Titans Jags 9-7 type of finish or anything like that one hopefully it's a good sign for both teams moving forward because I, I gotta say I loved seeing this Cliff Kyle duel that we had going back and forth especially in the in the passing game for Kyle which we've talked about how his run game has been so diverse it was fun to see that and it was fun for Cliff someone who always is talked about as an air raid guy be able to put together a 200 yard rushing game for the team Uh, it was fun to see a kyler run late in the game to pick up a clutch first down hopefully we'll see a lot more of these teams battling throughout the next few years or so i really hope that because there will be points no matter who they have on defense on both sides of the ball these two guys are are to me, one of the best play callers. Like, Cliff is already one of the best play callers to me in the NFL. He just doesn't have the talent around him. Like, he doesn't have the talent on the perimeter on offense. So, we, 
we're not going to give him credit yet, but I promise you in two to three years, we will be talking about the Cardinals offense. It was just, a good match. We were talking about that, that with up. Kyle two years ago or so. You could still see all those things. He had a, a run game last year, despite with Beathard and no one else. He's just moving the ball down the field with fullback passes. You're like, how are, how are you doing this, man? Like, eventually, I think you'll see hopefully these two teams at their strongest because I'd love to be able to see one of those type of um, – what was it last year? The Rams versus the Chiefs type of fireworks and explosion on offense with just where it goes off. So hopefully we can get more good football like this game was going down the stretch. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. You only have about a two-week, uh, two, three-week break before the Cardinals and Niners play again in San Francisco. Yeah, the, uh, Kyle's record, I believe it's like 16-2 and two or something with Jimmy and 4-20 and 20 without him. So give him a competent quarterback and watch what happens. But I want to take it back to the penalties because – Arizona was moving the ball, and at first, for a few drives, the reason that they were getting off the field is because penalties, and you brought up Bosa. There was a couple third downs where it was third and manageable, and that turns into third and nine because the left, ta- the left tackle false starts with Bosa lined up over him. There was a drive in the first quarter where the it was, I believe it was first and five, or second and five, after a five-yard run by Kenyon Drake. Um, next play. 49ers blitz they get a sack second and 29 just there there are so many plays that you just can't have that against the point like against this team specifically where you just can't make the type of mistakes that the Cardinals did and that's why they were like that's why they they had the type of success they did which they didn't so yeah, first the half, Niners the but, Niners were up against where Justin Pugh who's a guard was starting at right tackle and I believe he only let up one sack on the game for the most part, which that's uh, the other one was on Murray trying to extend too much. So give the Cardinals credit for all of that. But also the Niners didn't take advantage of a kind of wounded Cardinals team and wounded offense in some of those cases as well without David Johnson on the field, um, without having Chase Edmonds on the field. It, it, they still at least were not able to take advantage of some of those to put the Cardinals away early, at least on, on the defensive side for the most part. Yeah, man. They um, and just I'm I'm still looking at just some of the some of the play by play. So first and ten turns into first and twenty because DJ Humphreys holds Bosa, and first and twenty is now second and twenty six after DeForest Buckner gets a sack. Like that's how the 49ers get off the field. Just and I think that's why we're seeing them. That's why they're getting inching closer to me calling them a to be to sustain being a good team because they are feasting on other teams' mistakes, and that's what most good teams do. So let's let's end it here with one coaching decision that you agree and disagree with. So you can start us off there. What do you got? Yeah, ironically, a lot of people trashed Cliff Kingsbury for the call at the end of the game, at least, where he called uh, and threw a challenge flag on the spot of – a lot of people are like, hey, you already had the – he ran out of bounds. The clock has stopped. You've got two timeouts that are left. It's a first down. It's going to be hard to overturn it for that one. Uh, honestly, looking at it on tape, it was one of those things where after the first replay, like uh, even though it was right in front of him, that's not going to be overturned. But in the heat of the moment, if you see him where he's got his foot out of bounds on third down and it's fourth and inches or so, that creates at least a tough call for Kyle Shanahan. Is he going to punt the ball back to the Cardinals only down by three? Is he going to go for it on fourth down and risk potentially, you know, getting something stuffed up the middle, uh, especially in his own territory? Uh, the other reason why I think it was fine was it was kind of almost a stab in the dark because you were watching the, as we said, the Niners were converting so often on third down, his defense wasn't able to get a stop. 
Um, even if they do end up going for it and get that on fourth, if you have to use the next two timeouts anyway, those timeouts don't mean much if you're not able to stop them. So I thought that was at least a move where, while it seems like a lot of people would disagree, I felt like it was at least giving his team a chance to win the game versus just like, all right, now we're going to save our timeouts, we'll be fine, and oh shoot, they're just driving down and already in field goal range and the game is essentially over. So that was one of the moves that um, I at least was fine with. I didn't have a, as much of a problem with for the most part. And that's just sometimes how it goes with the NFL and their replay is you're not going to get everything that you might think you'll get in college. And the way that the refs are going to call, at least in a judgment snap decision, it's going to be hard to overturn those. Still at least like that he was uh, aggressive enough to try to make a difference for the team. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about, because I was, I did not like this call by Cliff at all. And I usually support, I always support all aggressive coaching decisions in general. So nine minutes left, it's fourth and 13. He kicks a field goal down, I believe, what was the score at the time? So it was 28, it was 28, 17. He kicks a field goal. Oh, sorry. It was 28, 14. He kicks a field goal. And there's just over nine minutes left. You are betting that you are going to be able to stop Kyle Shanahan twice, which is rare. And it ended up working out just because he forced a punt. They forced a punt. The Cardinals forced a punt, that is. Even though the 49ers were able to take four minutes off the clock. So, to me, right away, that was a bad decision. But he he scored in 35 seconds after that. So, it brought the game within three points. So, the results worked in a way. But the process, to me, was flawed. And I imagine fourth and, I believe, it was 13 had a lot to do with that. So, where you don't go for that. But to me, man, that's just the probability of you even getting a pass interference in the end zone or letting Kyler scramble around and throw it in the end zone are just the probability of you converting that is more than is better than being able to stop the 49ers, which he essentially didn't do when they needed it the most. And they never touched the ball after they scored within 35 seconds. Did you agree with going or kicking a field goal on fourth and 13? Yeah, as far as for when you're in fourth and 10 or over, I think some of this, I had to look up some of this. The analytics on a lot of those plays are super, super rare when you've got um, uh, you know, points that are available on the board to get. I thought that it was a fine decision, mostly because of what the score was at that point, being 28-17. It's 11 points. So the idea of when you've got 11 points and you're as good at going for it um, and a two-point conversion as Kingsbury, you can look at it essentially as, hey, we make one play over here and it's back to being a one-score game. So I didn't have an issue with that considering that the team had gotten into Niner range. Where I, where I do think at least it's interesting is um, if it was, say, fourth and five on that play, I feel like you would want to go for it to be able to then at least get a closer shot at a field goal for the most part. So um, he's been uh, very interesting in how he's chosen to go for it on fourth down the last couple of weeks. Um, I was totally fine with him not going for it for that play because if you end up taking points off of the board and the Niners get a field goal, then essentially you're just you're done. You're out of the game no matter what. He at least by taking some of those points and, uh, like you said, trusting his defense, and I think some of it is also with just how it goes in the third quarter. You can't continually have it where you're scoring every single time. He was able to then get the team back, and you got to see like the – so I felt like the process was fine for him. Uh, obviously you can look at it results wise if the Niners score a touchdown after he kicks a field goal then it's a totally different outcome Um, but he at least has always been able to manage his team throughout the first um, throughout the first few games of the year outside of the Panthers game he's always put his team on the field in the fourth quarter whether it's down by a score ahead but they at least have had a chance to win the game so credit him at least for managing well enough to that aspect Um, I thought it was a fine decision to be able to at least take some of those points considering it was down by 11 now if you're down by 12 points at that point 
well, then probably you have a chance to go for it if you know that you're going to have to get two touchdowns versus, you know, a touchdown and a, and a field goal. If Cardinals get the ball back and force a third down at the end of that game, you got Kyler Murray with, you know, a timeout or two, the ball in his hands and about two minutes left. You got the feeling that he's going to be able to either score or at least get the team into field goal position to make it a game out of it. Um, Cliff, at least by making that decision, did put the team with that. They just were not able to stop the Niners. Yeah, the, the re- and I, I do agree with that, and, and I'm glad you brought up 11 points compared to 12 points because that does make a difference. Like, one point does make a difference in that situation. Oh, yeah. the, re- the only reason that I was hung up on it is because just the, the game flow. I feel like game flow has to matter, and that's what – at the time, I mean, the Cardinals defense had given up 7 of 12 on third down. So they were not able to stop the 49ers on third down. And they had also given up 348 yards. And it wasn't like the 49ers had this 89-yard breakaway score. Like, they didn't have that. They were consistently moving the ball. So betting that you would be able to stop Shanahan in that situation, judging the game flow, is why I, I was against that. Um, mine was the one that I disagree with was Robert Sala. Out of the the half, the Cardinals' first possession, they were just moving the ball at will. They were the Cardinals went hurry up, and they scored on the drive. Seven plays, eighty three yards. Came out of the half to Fitzgerald, twenty yards. Next play, Kyler Murray scrambles nine yards. Kane Drake eight yards. Another Kyler Murray scramble for four. They're just going fast, fast, fast. Um, Kane Drake twenty one yards. Then there is a penalty. Made it first and 15, but that did not stop the Cardinals. I believe it was another screen to Murray where he – or um, not Murray. It was another screen to Drake where he got 17 yards. And then finally the touchdown to Keyshawn Johnson. So that was like – it was a blur. They scored in two minutes and 41 seconds. Where I disagreed with was the defense coordinator, Robert Sala, you have to call a timeout in that situation. And I know people love to hold on to the timeouts for end-of-game situations. But to avoid – having to be in an in-the-game situation, you can just call a timeout, regroup, give your players a rest, get the right personnel in there, and just make whatever some sort of adjustment that you need to make because whatever was happening, the the, 40, the defense couldn't even get lined up. Like There was a couple yeah. plays where like receivers are uncovered. The, the 49ers just didn't have enough guys on the, just lined up to one side. It, it was just a numbers game, and when you – when you give Cliff a numbers advantage, it's just RIP. Like, that's all she wrote. So, yeah, I, I didn't like that at all. I thought Salah could have could have done a better job there of just regrouping and giving his guys a break. Um, do, what, do you have anything else on the coaching? No, I think that what you talked about with the hurry-up, and Kingsbury, a lot of people wondered if the, the hurry-up offense, if that would be every player, if they would be going with that. And, though people talk about the time of possession running the ball like it, you know, it doesn't matter as much as I think that people have. But he does at least do a great job of timing it to take advantage and, like you said, catch guys offside. And the fact that Salah didn't kind of reset, be able to readjust for that one, and it allowed them to kind of score. It was a well-timed decision by Kingsbury to move into the hurry-up, caught them off guard. They were able to then score a drive down for a touchdown. So um, I, if you do it every single play and every time, then you're going to start turning into, you know, the what the Eagles we saw at the end of the Chip Kelly era where they go three and out, kick the ball back, defense goes on a 20-yard drive, and we saw similar things, I think, in Arizona uh, last year essentially. So at least the time frame behind that, I think that you're right, is that was one of those moments where Salah won for the most part throughout the game, but they still gave up 25 points to a Cardinals team that they haven't given up that level of points, at least on offense, throughout most of the year. So you have to at least give some credit to Cliff there for even 
though some of the decisions were controversial, he kept continually putting, you know, essentially an offense that is not really, it's still in process, still being built, still finding itself weekly and put them in position to be able to, um, you know, not necessarily sink the Niners for the most part, but you're making it a game of it against a team that right now at least looks like it could be a number one or number two seed in the NFC. So before we get out of here, let's, let's spend about two minutes on this. So, Josh Gordon was just claimed by the Seahawks. So 27, 28 teams passed on Josh Gordon, who is supposedly, you know, this superstar talent. And he was – the report came out that he just was late to meetings. Coaches couldn't find him in New England. And he just didn't have the work ethic, and that's why New England moved on from him. I have been in the camp, which is just me in the camp, where I was never really sold on Josh Gordon as a receiver. He had over 1,600 yards one year, his second year with the Browns. Since then, the highest year he's ever had, and, and yes, he hasn't played a full 16-game season, um, the highest yardage he's ever had was 737 yards. But as far as like a receiver goes, he pretty much runs three routes. He, he's like, uh, in a lot of ways, it's like a DK Metcalf, so it makes sense. Like a slant, a go route, and I mean a curl route. Like it's pretty basic what he does. So he, he's going to be a good fit in Seattle. But I've never been sold on this. He's a superstar game changer. Like, I would much rather have Emmanuel Sanders. And, and that's not me saying that because I cover the 49ers. I genuinely believe that Emmanuel Sanders is and has been a better receiver than Josh Gordon. How do you feel about just him, him as a receiver? Yeah, as a receiver, I feel like the, the Metcalf comparison, I think, is perfect in terms of where you've got ways that guys can win in the NFL by being elite in some levels. His elite talent, I felt like, was always on the vertical route and being able to be bigger, faster, and stronger in a lot of ways. Uh, the yeah. issue, I think, in the NFL with how teams are finding to win is it's turning into much more of a chess match versus, like, I think you would talk about the um, – like when you're talking about chess versus checkers, a lot if you've got checkers where you got you know one piece that can hop over multiple pieces or something, then that's one way you can win. But when you're talking about a guy like Sanders who can run multiple routes, multiple options, can read a lot of even the defenses, that's the type of player I think Cliff Kingsbury is wanting in Arizona as well. Um, he's wanted more of the Fitzgerald and Kirks, and he wants to get that same type of player outside. And there's limitations that they have right now for what some of those guys can do. Uh, I feel like that Gordon's a guy who, in Seattle, where they are a team that wants to play some of those different types of checkers, where it's like, hey, we want to run the ball in first and second down. We want to take you know, a deep shot here, at least for the most part. I think that that's something where he could be a fine fit there. I do agree with you. Maybe it is a bit redundant. And as far as the uh, whether the talent and the risk is worth it for the most part. I think that there's a lot of cases where, um, like you said, if talent uh, over multiple years and multiple seasons always seems to rise to the top or they're able to see production over a number of years because the player is also challenging themselves to get better, that's how a lot of the greats are there. That's how a lot of quarterbacks we're seeing even in late years are putting up more and more stats. Gordon, after kind of the one, almost one-trick pony, I think that you can say that he was in that season. We really have not seen him being able to take that next step. So as far as a dynamic talent and what he does, really great. I just don't feel like that he's one of those potential game changers that's there unless you're in complete and desperate need of that exact type of player, which some argued the Cardinals might have been, at least as far as for needing a guy with the boundary and Kyler. I think they're still building way too much and trying to get their core in place to bringing a potential problem, at least for the most part, that if Gordon really is missing and not being fully engaged, that's really going to be a hard thing to sell. If, you know, he ha isn't able to be prepared for a, a team like the Niners defense to be able to play. 
Yeah, I think that people just get so caught up on like DK Metcalf's a perfect example of this, and I and I'll probably get a bunch of backlash on this, but I I don't think he I still don't think he's had a very good season. You you look at his stats and everybody like DK Metcalf will make a play. He'll make a play tomorrow, and everybody will go crazy like DK Metcalf. What about his three cone? They'll say something stupid where they ignore the fact where a cornerback will run right by him and blow up a play because he can't cut. Or they'll ignore the fact where he has to break down and cut in a different direction and the ball will be deflected or the, the Russell Wilson will have to scramble. People only right. count targets, and that is the worst way to count for as well. So interesting. I mean, luckily, Seattle has a superstar quarterback that will elevate the talent of anybody. But to me, I mean, Tyler Lock is still the guy that you have to stop on that offense with. And the 49ers will have to do that next week. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be it'll be fun. I know we'll see you back in a few weeks, at least for the most part. We'll see if Arizona's grown a bit. They should hopefully have their best receiver in David Johnson will probably be back. And we'll have to see if they end up. <laughs> we'll see if they also, say. and we'll see if they end up having. I know, right? It's fun to say at least for the. Hey, he was their top-rated receiver in 2016, and he seems to be their most consistent winning option. 2017. We'll also see if the Cardinals get right tackle Justin Murray back, moving Justin Pugh back inside. If that ends up being um, the case, we'll see or not. Or if they try to keep their best five offensive linemen on the field, there's a good argument that Mason Cole, who got the start at left guard, played uh, I think exceptionally well, considering he's you know, drafted to be more of a center. We'll see if they end up continuing with that moving forward as, you know, Arizona on a short day at home, it's going to be a very, very different game having to go out to the Bay Area with a whole week's worth of preparation. Oh, yeah. I imagine we will see a much different ball game in two weeks. But that'll do it for us, guys. I think we've done here long enough. So Sam Suko wins 28-25. Jimmy G, player of the game for me. Kenya Drake, player of the game for Arizona. The, just the chemistry between Jimmy G and Emmanuel Sanders, it, it seriously looks like they've been playing together for years. It's its really fun to watch. And it's good to see the offense pick up the defense because that uh, that's going to have to happen. It's probably going to have to happen in December and in January. So we will see if the 49ers offense can keep it rolling against Seattle. Uh, Blake, where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm at Blake Murphy seven on Twitter. I do write for Revenge of the Birds. I know I had the um, we had an article. I know that uh, uh, Kyle, you actually reached out to me at least for writing up some of what Arizona's offense and what to expect. We'll probably have something similar at least to be able to put out just from when Johnson does come back and if we, you know, we've only got through about eight or nine games or so of Cliff Kingsbury to see so far, and it's changed week to week. So there'll be probably some new stuff that we'll be able to see for next time, um, as well as with the San Francisco 49ers uh, integrating Emmanuel Sanders more into their offense as a whole yeah i'm looking forward to it man it was uh it was a fun matchup so buddha kittle part two sanders pat pete part two and hopefully we see some more fireworks so thanks for tuning in guys that is all from us go niners